0: Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM.
1: We're going to share concerning God's will for the church. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew eight sixteen, 16, Matthew chapter 16. It's been a wonderful um. Service at 9 o'clock, and we're trusting God to do the same here. God's will for the church, I'm reading out of the ESV, Matthew chapter 16. We're actually going to start with verse 13. Verse 13, it says, And now when Jesus came in the district of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And that's a, a, a crucial question. People are still asking, Who is this Jesus. People are wondering, this Jesus that we sing 2,000 years later, Jesus is still alive and well and working on the earth through his spirit. It goes on and says, and they say, verse 14, and they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. There are many people who are saying different things about Jesus, that he's a prophet, or he was a carpenter's son, or that he is the son of man. But, but we know that he's more than those things. We believe he's a prophet. We believe he's the son of man. We believe that he's the son of a carpenter. But he's more than a carpenter, the son of a carpenter. He is Jesus the Christ. Let's continue. And says, verse 15, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? It's, it's one thing for the world to say different things about Jesus, but who, who are you, what are you saying about Jesus? What are you saying about Jesus next year? We're going to focus on the the person and the work of Christ like never before. We're going to hone in on who is Jesus. That's our theme for next year. We're going to really focus on that. And it goes on and he says this, verse 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Notice that he didn't say you are a Christ. There, There were many Christ's who stood up and said that they were Christ but he says you are the Christ, the Christ. It's a definite, right, definite article, the Christ. You are the Christ. The word Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it simply means the Messiah, the, the anointed one, the one, the only one who is holy in Israel, the Holy One of Israel. That's, that's what, it, you are God manifested in the flesh. Glory to God. In Isaiah 9, it says that, Um, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and it goes on, right? Um, Let's go over there real quick, Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9. A a fellow student actually did his dissertation on Isaiah 9, and he he just brought out some some wonderful truths that literally has been ignored over, over centuries, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 it says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And he did his whole dissertation, 300 some, some pages, on the word counselor. The word counselor in the Hebrew means a miracle worker. Jesus, wonderful miracle worker, mighty God. How many? Oh, that changed everything and messed up Handel's Messiah. <laughs> wonderful miracle worker. And then, as a kid, I remember reading this and looking at where it says "Everlasting Father" and then "Prince of Peace." I said, like, "Wait a minute! Is he the Prince of Peace or is he the Everlasting Father?" Help me out. And I, what I found out recently in the Hebrew, the word "Everlasting Father" means that he is the one who fathers eternity. He's the one who sustains eternity. I mean, that that just blows my mind. He's the source of eternity. That's what the word father means, the source. And so that changes everything, that Jesus is the one who fathers eternity. He's the one who sustains eternity. He's the one that gives eternity its existence. That's who this Jesus that we serve. Go, go back to Matthew 16. Who men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So who are you? What are you saying about Jesus? Who is Jesus? Some Christians don't really know who he is. They 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 really don't understand the titles of Jesus: the Christ, the anointed one, the way, the truth, the life. God manifested in the flesh. The son of God, the son of man, man, God in flesh form, Emmanuel, God with us. So many other titles when we think about this Jesus. The one to destroy, the one who destroyed the one who had power over death. That's this Jesus that we serve. The one who was marred, the one who was broken, the one who became poor, the one who was, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was placed upon him. And with his wounds, we are healed. Glory to God. That's this Jesus that we serve. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Verse 17. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. That, that you didn't get this from human knowledge or reasoning, but you got this as revelation. And what we prayed earlier, the spirit of revelation, that's what we praying that God would give us a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him, that we may know him. How many know we need a revelation of Jesus? That one revelation of Jesus can change your life forever. It can set you up for the rest of your life. When you have a, a true encounter of who Christ is, it changes everything. It changes your, 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 your trajectory into eternity. It changes you from going to the highway of hell to the highway of heaven. Glory to God. A, a place of sinfulness to a place of righteousness. A place of disobedience to a place of obedience. Serving Jesus, it doesn't cost, it pays. It pays to serve Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord this right here it says you are the Christ the son of the living God the father God revealed this to you verse 18 and I tell you you are Peter or you are Petra you are a rock and upon on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it many have have said that the church was built upon Peter but we we know that that's not true it was built upon the revelation that Peter got <laughs> Of who Jesus is, glory to God. This church is not built upon personalities, upon, upon who Jesus is. The understanding, the working knowledge of who this Christ is—this Christ who fathers eternity, the principles, the mighty God, the wonderful miracle worker. This is what this church is built upon, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against this understanding, against this revelation. Never stay off, never get off of Jesus. Stay on the rock. When you're dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses or or Muslims or the nation of Islam, deal with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Stay on Jesus. Don't get caught up in other conversations because it's useless. Stay on the rock. On the rock. Stay Stay on him. Stay on him. Stay on him. Keep preaching him. Keep teaching about him. Keep declaring him. Keep living him out daily. Come on. Glory to God. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of the living God. Amen. Glory to God. So Jesus, it's God's will for the church to have a revelation of Jesus, a revelation of who he is, supernatural insight of who this Christ is, who is Christ. The Son of God, the living Messiah, God manifested in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity. This is this God that we serve. Mighty God, wonderful miracle worker. Miracle worker. He's a miracle worker, always performing miracles in our lives. The miracle of a new birth. The miracle of, of just constantly providing, constantly sustaining what He He has provided. Glory to God. The Bible says in Hebrews that he upholds this world by the power of his word. And all things was created by Jesus and for Jesus, according to Colossians. Everything was created by Jesus. So we can't get off of Jesus. Stay on him. Stay on the rock. It's God's will for the church to stay on Jesus, to stay focused on Jesus, to keep preaching Jesus, keep living out his will. Glory to God. That's God's will right there. Don't stay, don't, 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 don't get off the rock. He's the only solid rock. The rock in which we'll never fail. We'll remain the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who was and who is and is to come. The only one. The, the, the God man, the, the mediator between God and man. The one who is the way. He's not a way. He's the way. Amen. Glory to God. This is this Jesus. It's God's will for us to stay on Jesus. Stay on him. Preach him and praise him and worship him. And even in John says, says, if you'll love on Jesus, the Father will love on you. (laughs) You can't, you know, you can't even approach God outside of Jesus. You gotta go through Jesus. Glory to God. None of that's in my notes. (laughs) Glory to God. So Jesus is building his church for his glory. And one thing we realize that in 2020, all the way to now, that the church is not a building. It's more than a building. It's people. Glory to God. It's people. And we realize, I've talked to many pastors, and and they're retweaking their their, their methods and and their programs because they realize we got to get the people to Jesus that it's not enough to have these programs. It's great to have these wonderful tools, but we got to make sure we're fulfilling the Great Commission, doing his will. Amen. 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 God calls people from different places to to assemble weekly, to do the following. I'm going to give you some. Here, the first one is to praise and worship him, to praise and worship him. Go with me to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, we're talking about God's will for the church. Psalm 34, and let's look at verse 3. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Notice that David, it says, let us magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. You can't do this by yourself. There's one thing to praise God daily by yourself, but it's another thing to praise God in a corporate setting. You may be anointed. You may be able to get a prayer through. You may be able to to do all these great things, but it's one thing to praise and worship God together. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There's a corporate anointing that happens when we come together. And how many know he's a corporate God? He's an individual God, but he's a corporate God. And there's something about the corporate anointing, the corporate gathering. When we gather together under the umbrella of the name of Jesus, there's power release. There's something that happens. If one could put a thousand to flight, two could put 10,000. So when we come together, we bring all our anointings together and all our graces together. God is advancing his kingdom through us. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. My second point is that we got to pray together and for one another. Pray together and for one another. There's something about it when we pray together. There's a saying in the world, which is very powerful. It says that the family that prays together, what? There's a truth to that. That's a good saying. It's not found in the Bible, but it's a good saying. That we pray together, we stay together. There's power when we pray together. There's something that happens. I've shared with young men and young women uh, when I was youth pastor that to be careful about praying with someone that they were dating because something happens spiritually. There's a connection that is developed when you pray. When you pray together, there's a bond that is, is formed. And so how much powerful it is in a local assembly that when we pray together, the, the, the 9 o'clock a.m. Um, um, virtual prayers that we've had over the last year, there's something that took place even at the beginning of January where we prayed every day. I think, Was it every day? It was every day. It was every single day for uh, 40 days. Was it, oh, wow. 40 days we prayed and it was something that happened. When you pray and you bring that anointing that God has given you, you know, and we can pray together and share in that anointing. Glory to God. And then Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 talks about, Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God. And the armor of God only takes, it only deals with the front part of us. Mm -hmm. Our backsides are open. But the Bible tells us that Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 it says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end to keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Then when we start praying for each other, we cover each other's back. Whereas the armor of God covers the front, the prayers of the saints covers the back. So when we pray for each other, we're covering each other. There's things that the enemy wants to throw. We talked about a couple weeks ago the three wheels, the will of man, the will of God, and the will of Satan. And so there is assignment from the enemy that wants to destroy our brothers and our sisters. But when you and I pray for them and make supplications, we are destroying those assignments. We're covering each other in prayer. There's something that happens when we pray for each other. When the Spirit of God puts, you, puts somebody on your heart and you wake up in the middle of the night praying for them, you're covering them. You're covering their backside. You're covering where the enemy is trying to get a, a foothold. There's something that happens when we pray. So the God's will is for us to pray together and pray for one another. There's power released when we pray for one another. There's a bond that cannot be broken when we pray for one another supplicating and standing in the gap and speaking the word of God over each other. Glory to God. There's something that takes place. The Bible says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. One of the ways in which God uses to stop the weapons from prospering is through the prayers of each other. Supernatural utterance. That's what we pray for. That's what we got. Never heard that, never read that uh, from anywhere, but God just gave that to us. Then when we pray for one another, God uses our prayers as a way in which to stop the weapons that are formed from prospering. Glory to God. Glory to God. So that makes us want to pray for each other more because we want to stop those weapons from prospering through prayers, praying for people's minds, praying for their marriages and praying for their children and praying for their jobs and praying for their bodies, praying for their spirits to get stronger. That those things are are meant to help us to stop the weapons from, from prospering in the lives of our brothers and our sisters. And then that latter part of that scripture tells us that every tongue that rises against us, we shall condemn. So condemn those words. Say, no, those words won't have any effect. Yes. What the doctor said concerning your your, your death sentence, yes. we, we, we call those words as non-involved. We call those words empty. Yes. That, that they won't form. Yes. <laughs> they won't take ground in that person's life. Yes. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Praise God. The next thing that God, God's will for the church is that we work together to advance his mission upon the earth. Mm-hmm. That we work together to advance his mission upon the earth. How many know that God is a missional God? He's a missionary. God sent Jesus as a missionary, that he has something in mind when he sent Jesus. The Bible says that Christ endured the cross, despising the shame, and for the joy that was set before him. That Christ endured all that he did for the joy of obtaining us, redeeming us, perching, 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 Purchasing us from the hands of the enemy. Amen. Jesus did that. Jesus was sent as a missionary. So there's a mission that God had in mind. He's a missional God. He's a missional. He has mission on his mind. There's an agenda from the kingdom that we need to tap into. And when you tap into his agenda, you'll tap into his resources. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Also, God's will for the church is to be a light in darkness and a city on a hill. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Let's go over there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are. I, as a kid, I got mad <laughs> at this verse because I'm like, wait a minute. Jesus, you just said you're the light of the world. So how is it that you're the light of the world, but you turn around and tell us we're the light of the world? It's because of the Jesus in us. We're the light of the world. And God has set us as a city set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. That we're supposed to be a light in darkness. That there's so much darkness on our jobs, in our communities, in our family lines that we need to be a light. We need to be a standard. We need to be a pattern in which people can follow. You are the light of the world. You are a city set up on high, on a hill for those to look to. Think about it like a light that is that that, that, that is set up for, for those at at shore, I mean at sea, looking to for guidance. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for someone to, to be real, to live the life, to, 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 to have Christ for, be formed in them. They're looking for this Jesus who is the light of the world. So we're the light. That's God's will for us to be a light as a church, to be a light. Glory to God. And last but not least, go to Ephesians chapter 4. is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. The, the, the God's will for the church is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 12, 11, verse 11. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It says this, and he gave apostles. Prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or pastors, and teachers. This is considered the five-fold ministry gifts. Mm-hmm. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Mm-hmm. God has given these ministry gifts. Well, why do you give these ministry gifts? The apostles are people who go, who go and they, they set up works and then oversee it. And they'll raise up a pastor to oversee that work and they go to another place. Yes. And usually it's in a place that has never heard the name of Jesus. On a place where the gospel has never been preached before. That's what usually, and a lot of times you'll find that apostolic anointing in places like in, on a mission field. You'll, you'll see missionaries, a lot of the times they operate as apostles, as sent ones to different countries, to setting up different works. Here, there, and there are different types of, of apostles according to the scriptures. We won't get into that right now. But those apostles are sent ones, sent to set up or establish works, and they operate a lot of times in all get five all five offices. They, offer, they, they operate as a prophet sometimes and, and as an evangelist and as a pastor, as a teacher for a season or two. And then they go and they give that work to somebody else and they go to another place and set up another work. And then they go to another place and say, that's what a true apostle does. Yeah. And then you have the prophets. Our prophets are, are people who speak out of, the, out, out of a place of revelation. A, a prophet it's, it speaks forth the Word of God and they, they operate in the word of knowledge, in the word of wisdom and miracles and signs and wonders. You see these prophets and they don't have any miracles, you, you need to doubt their ministries. Because <laughs> a true prophet operates in those gifts and they have working they have the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, not only prophecy, but the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and the, the in the healing gifts and the power gifts mm-hmm. operating. And as you go through the Old Testament, even the New Testament, you see these prophets. They're not only prophesying, but they're operating in in miracles and healings. Then you have evangelists. Evangelists are people not just going from church to church, calling themselves evangelists, but evangelists go out. Philip, the evangelist, went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. So the number one message of evangelist is to preach Jesus, the gospel of salvation, preaching the good news that Jesus came to save. And they're all about evangelizing and getting people saved. That's the number one mission. They're not trying to be a pastor. They're not trying to be a prophet. They're not trying to, but they go and they evangelize. Billy Graham was a, a wonderful evangelist. And we see evangelists throughout church history. So that those are evangelists. Philip the evangelist who preached Christ. So they're preaching Christ, him crucified, him resurrected. And then we have pastors. I mean, our pastors are gifts. They're shepherds, they're under shepherds, and they lay their lives down, and they operate in the word of wisdom really strong, and that God gives them special wisdom and special compassion, whereas the prophet will come in and, and confront the situation, the pastor will love and confront the situation, but it's closed with love, and they're concerned about that word. They only they only drop the word, but they think about the result of that word, and they want to see people grow. And they want to see people develop and become uh, faithful followers of Christ. Then you have teachers, not just teachers who can teach in a classroom, but teachers who are anointed to unpack wisdoms and revelations of his word. They expound on the word. They declare the word in such a way that you're at the edge of your seat and you can't wait for them to open their mouth. They're not boring. they they speak life, they speak from a place of revelation, they spend time studying the scriptures and they compare line upon line and precept upon precept, they connect in Genesis with Amos, and Amos with Ephesians, and Ephesians with Matthew, and they're connecting that's what a true teacher does, amen let's let's look at these five ministries, what they do and it says, verse 12, to equip the saints, so if you're not being equipped, you need to go somewhere else (laughs) The the ministry gifts are sent to equip you, to empower you, to train you, to prepare you. They stir up the gifts of God inside of you. Those ministry gifts unlock your destiny, that which God has called you to. There's something that happens when those ministry gifts are in operation. You feel equipped. You feel you, you, you feel empowered. And you, you learn how to discover your place in the body. You're not just sitting down and being a pew warmer, but you, you're thinking about how can I fu- function in my calling? And, you know, as we see from um, Romans 12 and 1 Peter and the, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see ministry gifts. We see that there's a gift of, of, of entrepreneurship that God called men and women to make millions Amen. for the glory of God. I mean, they're just anointed to make money. They, they can make more money blinking their eyes than most people in a lifetime. They just have that grace. There are men and women that God has called for that. Sometimes people, when they sense a call, anybody who gets serious about God, they'll sense a call. So everybody is going to sense a call. <laughs> if you get serious, if you even look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll get serious. You'll sense that call of God on your life. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're called to preach and teach. But there might be a ministry called, a ministry gifts of, of the gifts of helps in 1 Corinthians 12. The, 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 the gift of, uh, of, of administration, um, the, the ministry, the, the anointings to, to develop systems and to see those systems to, through. I mean, it takes an anointing to see systems and develop systems for churches and ministries and companies. And then you have the, the ministry gifts of, 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 of prophesying, the, the simple gift of prophesying where they speak forth the word of God. And so to equip the saints, God's will for these ministry gifts to equip the saints. Let's look at the second part. To, for what? For the what? Edifying. For the edifying of the saints. But what, before that, to equip the saints for the, for the work of the ministry. So these gifts equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So the work of ministry is not limited to, to Sunday morning or whenever you meet, but it, it's meant for you to live out the ministry. Everybody has a ministry within them. Every part of the body of Christ has a ministry inside of them. And those ministry gifts will unlock those ministries so you can function in that grace. And when we all come together operating in our graces and our gifts, then God's kingdom is able to be advanced for the glory of God. Glory to God. I'm going to give you these three things, and I'm going to quit. Um, I, Courtney and I went to a retreat. We go to a retreat every year, a minister's retreat. Usually, usually it's in Lancaster. Some people call it Lancaster. But um, what I found out, is really Lancaster, <laughs> PA. And, um, and this year it was in Connecticut. And every year there, there, there's a, a speaker. There's one speaker that who, he was a very instrumental in my life when I was 19. At, at Raymond Bible Training College, his name is Tony Cook. He actually shared this, so I'm giving him credit so it won't be plagiarism in the pulpit. And so I'm giving him credit, and then I'm going to explain it, and then I'm not going to give him any credits anymore. So here are, the, <laughs> here are the three greats. The three greats are the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, and the Great Commitment. The Great Commission, the Great Commandment, and the Great Commitment. The Great Commission is Matthew 28 16 through 20, going to all the world and preach the gospel, proclaiming the good news, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching others to, observe, to do whatever they, we observe in the Word of God. And let's go over there, Matthew 28, because I, I just jacked that up. Matthew 28, Matthew chapter 28. Glory to God. Matthew 28, it says this. Matthew 28, and let's look at verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, and, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples to of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so we see God, Jesus, transferring his authority that he received from God the Father to the church. He says, now you go. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I commission you to go into all the world. Be that light. Be that city on the hill baptizing, preach the gospel and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. I want you to go forth and teach these things. Make disciples. Help them to become faithful men and women so they can teach others. Pass this legacy of the faith down. That's what the church is called to do. So the Great Commission, every church, is they might have different visions, but all our mission is the same preparing people for eternity, preaching the gospel to the nations. Yeah. Amen. Amen. The second is the great commandment. Matthew 22 verses 36 to 40, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love him with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen. So our first the first great is the great commission, the second is the great commandment. We're to love God with every fiber of our being. Amen. Love him with our heart, our emotions, our soul, our minds, we're to think. I was talking to some friends of, of, of mine yesterday, and we were talking about the, 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 the Spirit of God in the mind and how there's a place, and much many Christians don't understand how God wants to take our minds to a place where we're using our reasoning with the Spirit of God leadership. See, back in the day, it was like, you know, just cut your mind off, just let the Spirit flow but how many know that you, you, God gave you a mind to use? And, and, for, and for years, I used to pray for hours and hours in, in other tongues. And I remember my dad said to me, he said, while you're down there praying, don't forget about your brain. Use your brain. You know, God didn't, God didn't give us a brain so we won't use it. He, he's given us our mind to use for his glory. We're to be thinkers in the, for the glory of God. There's some Christians who are lazy thinkers. They don't like to think. They don't like to wrestle with the text. Yeah. They just want the spirit to come in. See, God won't always tell you what to do. He'll lead you to the water, and then he'll uh, he'll put a demand for you to use your faith. Amen. Amen. You know, you know, you know. He'll give you the answers when you first get saved, and then you come to a place you might be in the wilderness. where he he expects you to use what you've been taught. You've been tested. I mean, on a test, you can't ask questions, but in the classroom, you ask questions. Well, then when the test comes, now it's time to put into practice what you've been training for. So the great commandment. And the last is the great commitment. Matthew 16, verse 18, talks about how this commitment that Jesus said, I will build my church upon this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the great commitment is that Jesus is committed to his church, to building his church. and He invites us to be a part of that commitment. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every member is expected to to pray for their leaders and to pray for each other, to come together as, as we see the day approaching, to honor the Lord with our gifts and our time and our talent and our resources and to be a light and to be a witness and to get involved in various ministries and to speak well of their churches. This is the expectation for every member of every church to do those things. Those are just the ground ground things, the the foundational things that every believer should be doing, praying for leaders and praying for each other, coming together every time we meet and, and paying tithes and giving offerings, being a light and being a witness and telling others about Christ, getting involved through various ministries, even ministries that are, that are in the future, and speaking well of their church. That, that, that's what God's calling every member to do. Glory to God. That's God's will for the church. Father, we, we do thank you for this. We give your name, honor, and praise for this opportunity to share your word with your people. Father, if there's someone here who, who's in need of prayer and encouragement, we pray for their encouragement now. We pray that you may encourage them and strengthen them. If you're here and you need prayer for super, like just strength for your journey, I want you to just stand. I'm not going to ask you to come down. Just stand where you are, so we can pray as a family for each other. If you need prayer, strength for your body, for your physical body or spiritual, your mind. Let's pray. Let's pray for our brother and our sister here. Everybody, stretch your hands and let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this this couple, Father. I thank you, Father. I pray that you will strengthen them, spirit, soul, and body. I pray, Father, that you would surround them with faith and love. Father, I pray, Father, for supernatural strength. Restore their joy. Father, the joy of the Lord is their strength. And I pray for their strength. For this cause, Father, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven is named, that according to the riches of your glory that you will strengthen them in their inner man, that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith, that they have been rooted and grounded in love. Father, I thank you for their strength. I thank you for their faith. I thank you for giving them the right support. Father, in the name of Jesus, give them friends (coughs) to support them, to be a blessing to them, Father. They have poured out to many, and I pray that you'll pour it back into them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's give God some praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
0: That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Grand New Jersey. 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to his word. God
1: bless you.